Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach. I'm so excited to share a new episode of our podcast with you. Today you're going to hear from Coach John Weaver. He's currently the wide receiver coach, head track coach at Madison Ridgeland Academy in Madison, Mississippi. He's also the co-host of the Culture Classroom podcast. Married to Chris, they have two kids, just an incredible man of God, passionate about Jesus, passionate about using the game of football to teach young men that life is more than football and just pouring in Jesus into each person that he encounters. So without further delay, let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Coach. Oh, man, great to be here. Uh, Really enjoy what you're doing with All In Sports Podcast and uh, just blessed, thankful, honored to, uh, to be a guest on your show. That's awesome. I'd like to start this off with some background information, just so the listeners kind of get an idea of who you are. So if you don't mind, just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, a little about your family growing up, and, and then close it out with your family today. Yeah, so John Weaver, uh, I'm the wide receiver coach at Madison Risland Academy. And, uh, you know, I grew up in Vicksburg, Mississippi, which is, if you're familiar with the Civil War, the Siege of Vicksburg, uh, it's a big deal uh, there. But Grew up there and, uh, you know, traditional family, have a sister, a mom and a dad. And um, my dad was in the military, so we, we didn't move around a whole lot, but we moved around. So Vicksburg was my home till second grade. Then we moved uh, to the Jackson, Madison area. And then we moved back. We had a chance to move to California. And my mom said, we're not moving to Los Alamitos, California. We're, we're going to move back to Vicksburg. And uh, uh, my dad finished as a sergeant major in the uh, U.S. Armed Forces, so in the, in the Army. And uh, I think a lot of what I did, uh, the coaching background, came from that military-style background that I had that I, I saw what he went through, and I didn't want to do that, you know? Uh, I remember vividly a story that they had the recruiters at the high school when for out, you know, when you're a senior, they're asking, hey, what's your mm-hmm. career path? And they, uh, they asked me, hey, what about the military? You can get this GI Bill. They can pay for your school. You can do this. And uh, they said, well, what's your name? I said, John Weaver. And they go, are you Sergeant Major's son? I said, I am. And the recruiter looked at the other recruiter and said, if, we, if Sergeant Major can't get him to join the Army, what are we doing wasting our time? So, <laughs> you know, um, but a lot of that, I think, came from uh, I knew I didn't want to be at a desk job. But, uh, you know, and that started my coaching career. Um, you know, in my coaching career, goes from not wanting to coach to going through. But, you know, my family today uh, have a beautiful wife, Kristen, who I met in college. And we have two great children, uh, Emery, who is seven, going on 17 as a little a little girl. Uh, and then our little boy is Luke, who's three. And everybody's like, you know, I coach wide receivers. Like, is he going to be on the offensive side of the ball? It's like, not with his mean streak. He's going to be a linebacker <laughs> all day. That's awesome. So what college did y'all meet at? Uh, Delta State. Uh, I played college ball at Delta State University. Um, you know, weird thing is I I was playing quarterback and, and I broke my finger playing uh, in a backyard game and learned how to punt. And one thing led to another. So um, my quarterback days were over when I started in junior college. So I was a punter. And then in college, I was a punter. And I also pole vaulted as well. So there were some cool things there. But we met at Delta State University. That's awesome. We'll talk a little bit more about that here in, in, in a little bit. Ask you about uh, family, you know, growing up. Was it, did you grow up in the church, a family of faith? And then at what point did you make that decision that, you know what, I need a personal relationship with Jesus? Oh, that's a, 
fantastic question. And um, so I grew up in the church. Uh, we were Catholic. And it was one of those things, Stuart, where when, when we went to church, it was like we had to go to church. Like that's what we did. You know, mm-hmm. you get up, you go to church. As a Catholic, I received all the different sacraments in different churches. And, and I was one of those that I, I didn't really understand it. Mm-hmm. Being first grade, second grade, third grade, like I didn't know what that looked like as as a, as a Christian. Or I just knew I was Catholic. I was supposed to go to church. I was supposed to go to Sunday school before uh, I remember there were times that I would skip Sunday school because the older kids wanted to go to Hardee's. So we went to Hardee's and my parents was like, they went great. And they didn't ask any questions. So I didn't tell them anything, but it was great because I went to Hardee's. <laughs> so, you know, it was one of those things where I was, I was one of, I went to church just because, you know, we, uh, my mom was Catholic, my dad was Catholic. So that was kind of the road that, we, so we went to church. I knew in about the 10th grade that there was something that, something more there. Mm-hmm. So I started going with friends to, uh, they went to church on Wednesday night and I was like, well, I go to church on Saturday night or Sunday morning, you know? And I've always heard, I always hear jokes about like, Oh, we got out of church in 45 minutes, you know? And I, that's Catholic. Like, how fast can we get out? So we'd go on Sunday night. Um, we go on Wednesday night and I just start going with my friends and doing stuff like SOS uh, service, service self, you know, building stuff in the summer with, with uh, friends. And I kind of knew that there's something more here than mm-hmm. just going to church. And so fast forward to, I'm going to say 2005. So I'm 25. I'm living in Birmingham. And like they would always ask us in college after FCA, like, do you know your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? If you hadn't made a personal statement, it seemed like every time I did that, I raised my hand. Like it was a, yeah. like every time I was like, yes, yes, yes. Um, but in 2005, when I was in Birmingham, it really kind of stuck um, where I was in a situation to where, you know, it was, it was one of those things where I was hanging with the wrong crowd and didn't know it. Uh, I didn't know what these people were about. So I knew them for about three months and I thought they had my best interest and, and they didn't. And we go to a, to a little dive bar or whatever and i'm sitting outside in the jeep and this guy looks at me and he says i need to borrow your debit card i was like man i i got it so we need to get in i'll pay like i you know i'm living off internship pay sure i'll <laughs> yeah whatever i have I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever and uh man he pulls out something that uh i didn't want to be a part of mm. and he needed my debit card and my first two words to him were get out get out and I just, like, I felt a rush go through my body of this isn't it. Like, the road, John, that you're going down is a path of destruction. It's a path of, of, of uh, being defiant. And I didn't need that. And I didn't want that. Uh, one, from my upbringing in the church of even just going to church when I was supposed to go to church. Or even just being with my friends, what, what Christianity was supposed to look like. So I really didn't, didn't understand. And then I just knew that that. That was not for me. So I can say back in 2005, it was a, an aha moment uh, to where, like, you better get your stuff straight. Mm-hmm. And I did. <laughs> slowly. Slowly. It wasn't just like, oh, and go jump and read every book in the Bible. So it was, it was kind of crazy. Uh, I go back. 
So I leave, go to New York, and I come back because my grandfather was sick. So we'll revisit that. And um, I start going to church back with my parents. And that's still that same feeling in the Catholic church was just like, I'm missing something. Uh, and it's not the Catholic religion. I don't, I don't know what it was. I don't like, I don't know if it was the structure so much of just being Catholic or whatever, but it just felt, I reverted back to when I was a child of just, I have to be here because my parents told me I have to be here. Not, mm-hmm. I want to go here. So fast forward, got a job at Portis Chapel, get another job, get another job. And I guess another moment was when I lost or fired from a job at North Sunflower. Uh, I was in the Delta. They helped me finish my master's degree and I get let go. They said, you know, we don't, we're going to help you pay for your master's. We're going to put you up here. But after that, you're done. And I was like, okay, yeah, right. I'm, I'm 28. Sure. They let me go. So I started working at Tower Loan. I worked at Tower Loan for, for two days. Wow. And I was like, yeah, two days. Uh, and people were like, you don't want to work here anymore? I was like, I don't want to wear a suit. To, pe- to, to solicit money to people that I know they'll never pay it back. And like, we got to stay till 6.30 or 7 o'clock at night. I was like, so once again, this this coaching thing, I was like, God, you put me in coaching. And now you took me out of coaching. So I leave that job, have no idea what I'm going to do. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, uh, who is now my wife, she was like, what are we doing? I was like, I have no idea. I don't know. So that's when I started leaning more on you know, you visited what God could do for you back in 2005. And I kind of steered away and then I came back to it. And it's, it's what everybody does. I think Stuart is when we need God most mm-hmm. in times of trouble, we're going to go to him. We're going to go to him. And that's what I did. I just prayed out. I said, God, what, what do you have for my life? Like, what do you want me to do? And I got a phone call from a guy that I, that I coached his son at Porter's chapel. And he says, Hey, Tallulah Academy needs a defensive coordinator. What are you doing? Hmm. I went, absolutely nothing. <laughs> so I interview there. And as I interview there, I interview on a Monday at nine o'clock. I meet the board at like 1030. I go to lunch and I'm on the field at two o'clock in the afternoon. And the head coach is we coach or his son was the manager of our football team when I played in high school. So I knew the head coach already. So it's kind of that like, God, are you really listening? And he is because I'm not trying to be this, you know, he answers all prayers at, at the time we need, but at that moment he answered and I got back into coaching. And so I was at Tallulah uh, for one year as the DC, one year as the head coach. And I go to Porter's Chapel to be the head coach after a hiatus from my first coaching job. And then that lands me at MRA. Uh, and now I'm starting year 10 here. Wow. That's awesome. That's a, that's a good testimony of, uh, when we try to do it ourselves, it usually doesn't go well. It it definitely wasn't. I mean, I tower alone. I mean, I literally, I was so fired up. I was like, you know, this is something new. This is something different. But then when it gets down to it, the influence, the impact and the service or serve servant leadership that you want to have for kids is that's what I was starting to get where in my beginning of my career, I was transactional to now where I'm transformational. Tower loan wasn't going to do that. I mean, I was definitely transactional. They were they were coming to get their money, <laughs> and yeah. we were giving it to them, knowing they'd never pay it back. Absolutely, yeah. And you mentioned MRA, so Madison um, Ridgeland Academy there in Madison, Mississippi. So, yeah. um, you know, 
you coach on the offensive side, track coach, but, you know, y'all have had a lot of success, but talk about, you know, as a person of faith, I mean, it's a private school, so, you know, a little more freedom, obviously, talk about your faith. So talk about um, your coaching as a, as a believer there, like maybe from the discipleship standpoint, yeah. um, so, you know, and, you know, and what that looks like. Yeah, so, man, it's, it's totally God-given because there have been other schools that, that have offered me jobs and I, I keep coming back to that root of, I want to live out my faith through my profession. So football is the vehicle, mm-hmm. but you know, I get to serve, I get to impact, I get to influence kids in a godly way with how our school operates. Like that's mm-hmm. our mission to educate the mind, body and spirit of the school. So it's, we get to do that through, through our, I mean, that's our mission of our school. We get to do that uh, as a coach, as a teacher, you know, and I, I think about so much when, when there are life moments for those kids that, and, and I'm reading Jeff Duke, uh, his book again, 3D Coach, and I'm going through it again, just going through the three layers of, of, of what a coach is, you know, the transactional, the relationships, uh, the relationship coach and the spiritual coach, but, but Stuart, it's, man, it's tough. Uh, because there is a, I don't want to say an hourglass, not an hourglass, but a magnifying glass on being a Christian school. People on the outside, they look at what you do. Like, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes like being and leading, leading kids through faith, people think that is soft. Like you're not, like, can you not yell at a kid? Well, yes, you can yell at a kid. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But how do you do it? And we do it through love. So being able to share my faith, to lead a devotion in class, like we're supposed to do that on Mondays. Uh, in our first period of class, we lead a devotion. And getting to share and pour into those kids, uh, not just from a teacher-coach aspect, but from a believer to helping these young men, young women grow in their relationship with Christ. Uh, I think it's so huge to where they play football, they play basketball, they play soccer, whatever, that's what they do. But their identity is not in that sport. Their identity is solely in uh, who they are as a person. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're Stuart Hardy, but your identity is not an all in sports reach out uh, podcast. It's not that our identity is in what Christ has us to be. And I tell these kids all the time, I was like, being your best is what God calls us to be. Like, mm-hmm. don't be, don't be scared to give your best. And, and, and that's right. just, just some things that I think of, like, he called us to be great. So he was great. And if we're made in his like image, then we're supposed to be great. And That's then, right. you know, to, to call out Kurt Hines, you know, I think, and then people let ego get in the way. Kurt Hines had a great word for ego. And he said, it's edging God out. That's I think right. a lot of times we edge God out uh, and let, Hey, I'm the receiver coach at MRA. That's my identity. Well, that's totally wrong. You know, it's where my identity rests and it's, it's being a child of God. And he has me here for a reason. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, you, you kind of touched on a subject that, you know, a lot of people I think battle Christians that are in coaching is there's this perception from the outside that as a Christian, because I'm, you know, God calls us to love everybody that I'm, I'm soft, you know, I've got to be soft, but I, I'm, I'm with you um, that we're made in God's image. He is awesome. Therefore, we are in the Bible is very clear that we are to do everything with excellence. 
Yes. And so, you know, and that goes into coaching. There's nothing wrong with coaching a kid hard because you're demanding excellence. I mean, God coaches us hard. You know, he's not <laughs> soft on us, right? You read the Bible every, you know, you let the scripture speak to you. He, he's not soft. And diving the Old Testament, it gets real, real quick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, no, I, I love that. That's good. You know, and, you know, and I mentioned a few minutes ago, y'all, y'all have had a lot of success. So how do you balance that with humility? Uh, and that, you know, and this is going to sound crazy, but I tell our guys all the time, you know, I think high school coaches and even college coaches, we tell our kids to be selfless. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so hard for a 17, 18 year old to be selfless when by nature we're all selfish. That's so right. That's hard for me. So humility, uh, you know, I, it goes back to, and it's a quote that, that I say religiously to our guys is what being humble really means. Yeah. Don't think of you, less of yourself. Think of yourself less. And I think that's where humility comes in being humble uh, where we're going to celebrate success. I think that's big time. You celebrate success to where at the point, Stuart, where you tell guys, you know, I, I want you to be humble. Would you just, you just call it a touchdown. Well, that's great. Well, we're going to celebrate that. Well, you know, you, we tell our guys when they set goals for themselves, whatever the, whatever the goal is, we're going to celebrate those successes. But I also think coaching out of out of love and, and as a as a Christian coach, that those those hard feelings uh, that you don't that love is not a feeling; it's a commitment. If that makes sense. Oh, that's huge. That is so, huge. So when you think about that, like we've had, we, we have hard conversation with our kids and when they, they get out of line, like I get, I get to take my feelings out of it because I'm committed to the heart of that child. And when you have the heart of that child, it's a totally different Avenue. No, I so, agree with that. But on the same token, like, and I, I'm going back to Jeff Duke and the transactional coach, I think things have to be physical first. Um, yeah. And I talked to you, I think, earlier about this on the phone. Um, but people, like, when Jesus turned water into wine, like, that's physical. Like, they had to see that. When yep. he turned the five loaves and fed 5,000, you know, you have to see those things. But you also have to, like, kids need to see results, I guess I'm trying to say. But they also need to know that the coach captures their heart. And and that's where I want to – that's where I want to live as a coach, like – Look, if we win a state championship every year, that's fantastic. If we lose one every year, that's fantastic. And I'm not saying, oh, you don't care about winning. I care about winning. I mean, I just played pickleball a week ago uh, down the street with our neighbor. And I was like, hey, let's play best of five, which turned into a best of seven. Because, you know, I mean, I'm going to be a competitor. But I think a lot of times uh, that feeling and, and, and that transaction, if you don't capture the heart of the child, you're, you're missing the boat in today's athletics, like how, right. how you were coached, I guess, 20 years ago it in, you know, isn't going to work. I just That's don't right. think kids, kids want that. Kids want that intimate relationship with the coach. Like, Hey, I'm going to capture the heart. I'm going to love these kids. Well, then they'll start doing more stuff for you. So that's where it's impact and influence. And I want to serve. That's right. You know, it's funny you say that about, you know, if you want a state championship, that's excellent. But if you don't, that's okay. I was talking to, a guy, a coach, um, a very successful high school coach that I respect a lot. And he had this last season did not go their way. You know, some injuries and just a lot of things. But anyway, 
just finished one game under 500, but ended up going to the first round of the playoffs and, you know, got, got blown out. And I saw him um, leading up to that first round of the playoffs right after the last game. We were at a, at a function. I ran into him, and I wasn't sure what to say to him, right, because I don't know him that well, but somebody I just I greatly respect. You don't want to say, you know, great season because they were, didn't have a great season. Right. So I just said, hey, how you doing, Coach? He goes, man, I'm doing great. I said, yeah. So uh, how'd the season go? And he said, it's the best season I've been a part of. I'm like, and I'm in my mind, I'm thinking, really? I mean, you've had a lot of success on the field. He goes, man, I love my staff. I love the kids. They love each other. They love this. You know, they love their coaches. It's the best experience out there because there's so much love in the program. And I thought, wow. You know, it's already a guy that I respect. And I thought that guy gets it, you know, and. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I love that. Well, you brought up the word there. You brought up program. And I think there's so many teams that are successful, which is great. But then you have those programs. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sustainability. Those programs that have the systems where they have coaches that love those kids, that care about those kids, that capture the heart, rather than the one-hit wonder, you know, that's that right. you see. Or, you know, hey, we went 11-2, and two, but then we're also 5-6 and six. The next four years, we had this great run of whatever. So I, I think that's just a, a big tool, like the programs that, that do it right, um, where it's not just all about X's and O's. And I think so many coaches are worried about X's and O's. Well, it, it's like when you're on chalk court with Matt Arafat, it, it's who has the marker last. That's all that's going to be. But how are you capturing those kids hard on Friday night? How do you get them to lay in the street for you? How do you get them to run through a proverbial brick wall? Um, right. you, you capture their heart. And, and I've learned that to where I was a ring chaser to now I'm a relationship builder. Mm. Uh, I'm going to write that one down. You know, ring and, chaser to relationship builder. And I go back and, and it goes into your why. It goes into your why. Why was I coaching before? Well, I wanted to win a state championship every year. I wanted to win every game. And if we didn't win every game, then the kids were a disaster. I didn't do it right. They didn't do it right. It was the blame game, you know, and it's the, you know, you're pointing one finger at them, but you also got three coming back at you. So it was a lose-lose situation to where now, if we won this past year, we won the state championship, it was a great feeling. When I woke up the next morning, I felt the same as I did 365 days ago when we lost the state championship. I was more proud of the team that loved each other, that cared about each other, that, that, you know, the, the relationships mean more because that's what's going to carry you on. And that's just like Texas. We have a kid that's leaving our program and sent me the text that I shared with you that, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's what you want to be about. Like, and he called me and I was like, look, his, his call signs money. And I said, look, man, no matter who you are, where you are, I'm always going to be cheering for you. Like just because you wear another Jersey now, Hey, when we play y'all in that game, I'm not going to root for you as hard, <laughs> obviously, but uh, I'm a fan of his. And I think that's the way it is with, with kids these days. Like there's so much put and there's so much pressure put on them already of how many touchdowns can I score? What's my 40 going to be? What's this? Are we, am I going to get a scholarship? I'm gonna, am I going to go play at a four-year school? Am I going to go to Utah? I mean, there's so many pressures. And then you add COVID-19 onto it to the kids that didn't, didn't get their baseball season. They didn't get their track season. That if you – you really capture the, their heart. And I, and I, I guess I'm teaching, talking to teachers and coaches because I pride myself on being a good teacher first, that you captured them through a Zoom because you captured the first three, nine weeks, you captured their heart and your relationship 
was driven through them in the classroom. So, Oh, that's good. So, you, you know, we've talked a lot about culture. So um, kind of transitions to, I want to ask you about a podcast you, you co-host called Culture Classroom. So, you know, what's the, kind of give us a brief backstory of, of the podcast and, you know, what's the primary message? Yeah. So um, John Torrey and I, uh, he's in Denison, Iowa. So we, we started, it started as a relationship over like-mindedness. So he wanted to schedule graphic for his team. And like any graphic, I was like, Hey, can you let me kind of know what, about your team so I can, you know, form this graphic and, and, and all that stuff. We started talking and a 10 minute conversation turned into an hour conversation. Then our conversation turned into a relationship. I talk, talk to him two or three times a week to where I go to a conference and teach, uh, do a teaching conference and I'm speaking in, in Texas at the Oak Ridge school. And I'm, I get given uh, this presentation and one of the people come up to me and like, Hey, you need to make a podcast of this stuff. And we called it grade book to game plan. was my title of my presentation. I was like podcast. I was like, I've never even heard the word podcast, you know, like let alone how to start one. So uh, I called John Tory and I was like, Hey man, I want to start a podcast and I want you to be a co-host with me. And he was like, what? And he wrote a book called more than the game. And it started, uh, we're like 16 months in and it, it was driven solely on not X's and O's, but how coaches intentionally build relationships with their team uh, through their program, through, uh, you know, what they do inside their program. That's what we wanted. We want to know what was, we didn't care what you were in split back beer or spread or wing tee. We didn't care about that. We want to know how you intentionally build relationships with kids that you coach on your team. And that was our driving force. Well, now we're in season five. We just, we've had guys like Tim Kite, Brian Kite, Stephen Mackey, John, uh, Damon West, uh, that just kind of share. And then we also hit guys that, uh, like Nick Winkler, who had an idea of he shared with everybody of the four for 40. We have these kids for four four years. I want to impact them for the next 40 years of their life. And so we've had coaches and it's just a created a community um, where coaches can come and listen. We have a Twitter, we have an Instagram. Um, you can hear us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple podcasts, whatever uh, of just coaches sharing their story of how they intentionally build culture within their team. And it just sounded right to call it the culture classroom since we were both teachers. And, uh, here we are. That's awesome. I love that. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's good. And I, and I think it's, you know, you're, you're dead on with that idea of X's and O's are important, but that re- those relationships with the people oh, that are going to execute your X's and O's yes. is if you get those right into, you know, in today's culture, you, Yeah. You're, you're, you're successful. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, it just goes, it just goes back to how are you going to motivate them? How are you going right. to motivate those kids? Are you going to motivate them through promising they're going to score three touchdowns in a game? Well, you can't promise that. You can exactly. promise that you're going to love, you're going to promise that you can love them unconditionally. That you're going to be there That's for right. them. Um, you know, how are you going to make them perform in big games by how many reps that you got in practice or, Hey, this coach believes in me. This kid, this coach cares for me more than just X's and O's. He sees me more as a just a player on, and I'm number five on Friday night. That I'm, you know, Johnny, and he knows my name, and he kind of knows my backstory. But I, that's where you get it. I mean, you look at Dabo Sweeney, and there's no no doubt why Clemson's been successful. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he came from real estate agent to, you know, assistant coach, and 
Yeah, it's not. I mean, yeah, X's and O's are great, but clearly, great. clearly, it's love. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. or you can even look at PJ Fleck, and they, yep. people say he's a, oh, it's a gimmick, it's that. I, I love PJ Fleck, but what he's done at Minnesota, what he did at Western Michigan, I mean, the guy cares about what he does. Yep. He he does it out of love, uh, you know, and I just think that that goes a big, a long, a big and a long way with where sports are going to today. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's good. So let me also ask you a question about time. You're uh, a head uh, assistant football coach, head track coach, also host a podcast, but also, you know, you talked about your family earlier, husband and a dad, two most important of your roles. So how do you balance all of that, the demands of your job, the role you do in your podcasting and some speaking as well? I didn't mention that at clinics, but also being a husband and a dad. Yeah, and I think this answer goes synonymous with a bunch of bunch of coaches is when we're home, we're home, or be where your feet are. You hear all those cliches, mm-hmm. but I think, and I think about this, the, the more I think about that question, the word time just comes to mind, and, and I think about non-renewable resources that we have, and time is the most valuable non-renewable resource that we can have, so we can't get more than 24 hours in a day. There's no more than seven days in a week, so it's essential for us as coaches, as husbands, as dads, as all the hats that we wear in a day's work that uh, we give our children and our spouses the time that they need uh, because they're our most important uh, piece of the puzzle that makes everything go. I know for my wife, she's the glue. Everybody's like, well, how's your house go? I was like, without her, uh, you know, it's not Elmer's glue. It's like gorilla glue. Like she holds it together. Because we're we're not home as coaches, we're not home that much during the season, during the summer. Uh, you know, it's seven on seven, which who knows what that looks like right now with COVID nineteen. But you know, I think about the fall, and I reflected on this with a coach earlier of like how much time we're not at home, and how important it is for us to be at home. You know, and I go back to that that episode and say by the bell, Stuart, when when Zach Morris mm. is on the phone, and I know we had. We alluded to this, and I think I shared this clip with you too, but it's it's gut-wrenching to see that his dad is like he's he's this big guy that does a lot of business work, is always on the phone, always on the cell phone. I think that's a lot of our downfall is our cell phone. You know, we always have mm-hmm. to stay plugged in and it's always good to unplug. But I remember he walks in and he's trying to Zach's trying to have a conversation with his dad. His dad's Derek Morse. And he says, hold on, Zach, one more. Hold on, Zach, this will only take a second. And he sits down on the bed, and uh, Zach calls his dad. And his dad answers, and he goes, hello, Derek Morse. And you hear Zach go, dad. And the dad goes, Zach. And that mm. hits me hard of when we're home, we need to be home and not say, oh, we're home. And then, look, it's like I'm not saying I'm perfect at that because I'm not. There are many times that – I need to just put this thing under my bed and turn it on airplane mode and be present. Mm. Uh, And I think that's a a downfall in a lot of coaches is, you know, we have to keep up with the, with the next best, whatever air raid concept, the next next best defense. What's somebody tweeting? Somebody retweet I did. Is somebody liking what I put out there? Doesn't really matter. The people at home under your 20 square I know it sounds cliche, but it's it's like what we said: be where your feet are. But when you're home, you're home. And then 
understand that time is your most valuable non-renewable resource and don't take it for granted. That's good stuff, man. I mean, that's stuff that even for non-coaches, you know, as a husband and a dad, that's, that's gut-wrenching, especially that, that, uh, that video clip, you know, you, that you referenced. I can, I can think of many times in my life when that cell phone has gotten me in so much trouble as a, as a husband and a dad just because not being present. Um, it's more than just being physically under the same roof. Um, that's good. That's, that's an encouragement to me, so I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, you know, I go back and, and I think about the times where I want to go back and be like, when I wake up the next morning, like, hey, did I do all I could do with my family the day before? Because you can't get that back. Mm-hmm. Was I present when we watched a movie? Was I engaged in my daughter's conversation of her telling me about how hip hop went and her mm. wanting to show me a dance move? Like, am I fully engaged uh, with where I am? And, I, you know, that's like, like you said, it's a gut punch sometimes of like, ooh, I'm not. But I think it also goes back to that mirror test, that mirror mm-hmm. test. You can talk about mama mentality, but what about your mirror test mentality when you look in the mirror and ask yourself those hard questions and answer them of like, you know, that I do everything I could today to make sure that I gave the best to my family. Mm, that's good. That's a question I think we all could, we all should ask every night. Yeah. Not um, how many likes, not how many retweets, not how many favorites that I get, how many, you know, it, it goes back to the, what impact do I have on my family? What influence do I have on my family and how am I serving my family? Yeah, that's good. That's a good reminder because my oldest is finished up a sophomore year, headed to the junior year. And it, it's really hit me over the last couple of months of us being at home that you had two summers left. You yeah. know, that whole thought of what am I doing with my time, especially as a dad, it, 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 it hits you hard when you start looking at, okay, the days are numbered. Oh yeah. I think there's a thing like from the time, they're born or, or, or something like that. I forgot what the number is. Someone messed this up, but there's like 7,000 days that you have until they graduate high school and make the most of those 7,000 days. Because I, I just go back and I think about the 65 days we're in quarantine. What, what did I do to impact influence, serve my kids? Mm. What, was I more worried about getting a graphic done, recording a podcast? Was I doing, or did I directly focus my attention on them? You know, mm-hmm. that's just, that goes back to your mirror test of, of yep. can you answer, can you ask yourself and then look yourself in the mirror and answer those with a clear conscience of, yes, I, I, I did that. That's good stuff. I appreciate it. Like, so, John, I've got to ask you about your wide receiver group. It's a special group to you. You'll have your own little identity, kind of this fun um, call sign patches. So talk about that for a moment, if you would. A lot of people will know us for the Air Raid Brigade. You probably see it on my Twitter that we've started this cool thing with cliches. And all it is about relationships. Mm-hmm. That's all it is, is I wanted to build more relationships with those guys where we had a call sign. They had a cool badge. But it's all about relationship building. And that's where you know I think about, and not to compare it to Jesus' disciples, but – you had to have a leader. You had to have somebody steer them the way. You had to have somebody show them. Well, that's where our kids that we coach, we have to show them the way. And if we don't mirror Christ's image, then we're not going to get Christ's image. Check your um, call signs for your group because it goes back to what you were saying. It's just that as a coach, loving them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and relationships. And then yeah. the performance is going to come. 
Yeah, that's a byproduct. I think all that's a byproduct, you know, yep. and what we want to do and, and how we are successful. That's a byproduct of what you put in to those kids. And it's not even in the fall. It's not even in the fall. It's, it's back to December, January, right. February, when, when you're doing those things. Uh, but, you know, it, it's some of those things that, that where, we're, where we're wanting to be better for our kids but then on the flip side, you know, and I just had to talk with our kids about this, about the mirror test. Like when you look in the mirror, do you have the, like, can you ask yourself those hard questions to make you better? Can you do, do that? Uh, and I think the mirror test, we, we've even adopted like mirror test mentality, or even that's like the talks that you have with yourself are a mirror test. Mm-hmm. You know, it's how you motivate yourself. How do you, what are you filling your mind with? Um, so those are, those are things, you know, and, I mean, I'm big. I'm big on, on loving our kids. I mean, I, and how do we how do we reach those kids? That's right. That's good. All right. So, last question, um, all in. You kind of hit on it with the, with the Colossians three, but it's all over sports. But I want to ask, like, from a practical standpoint, what does it look like in your daily walk to be all in in your walk with Christ? And I think the word all in, Stuart, is so. It's a heavy word, heavy two words, because mm-hmm. to be all in, you have to be, I think of the word submersed, like you got to be in it. Uh, you know, when I, when I think of the word all in, that was our, that was our thing two years ago. We wanted to be all in, but you have to be submersed if you're all in, like there's no gray area. It's either you're in or you're out. And mm-hmm. for me and my Christian walk, um, can I read my Bible more every day? Absolutely. And that's what I'm challenged by, you know, my wife and, and leading. And I've had to start following her lead because and for me, you know, I, we were baptized together. And I didn't talk about this earlier, but my wife and I were baptized together. And 2008, on September 13th, we were baptized together. And here's the crazy part. And I probably should have alluded this to because about being all in. Um, my parents didn't even come to when I was baptized. Mm. It was one of those deals. Um, but being all in is, is one of those things to where whatever the situation is, if it's good, if it's bad, you're, you're in with Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no, there's no, Hey, I'm good for you when I'm over here, but then you, you handle that situation. I'm going to go over here. Um, or you didn't handle that. Well, I'm not going to ask you about that anymore. I think being submersed in his word, being submersed in, in his understanding, being submersed, whether it's Old Testament, New Testament, um, you know, that you, to live out his word, you have to be in his word. Mm-hmm. And when you say all in, I think that's where, where it hits, is being that's all right. in with him in order to, and, and we said it just, I mean, we said it probably five minutes ago, of whatever we want our kids to see, whether it be our kids that we coach or our kids at home, right. whatever we, whatever we're putting out there, they're seeing and they're going to emulate. So being all in for me is, is what you said. You know, I, I, do I fail miserably? Yes. Do I work to submerge myself in the word? Yes. Well, I think we all fail, right? And yeah. that's the beauty of it is, you know, we get that chance, but I think you're right. I haven't, I've asked that question to a lot of people. Um, I think you're the first person that's used submerged. I like that. That's a perfect analogy of, of what it means. That's awesome. Yeah. I just, you know, 
all in is all in, man. Like, and I think the the reverse of that is all like you're all out. So if you're right. all in or you're all out. Like, yeah, there's no middle ground. But I think a lot of times we want the middle ground. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to be all in for Jesus on this part of our life. But then there's another another part that is like, hey, I got this part. Yeah, the middle ground safe. The middle yep. ground safe because I don't have to commit to anywhere. Yep. I can. I can, I can choose where I pick my commitments, not just, right. Oh, I'm here. And I'm, I'm here because I want to be here and I'm here forever. So. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. Cool. Hey, I know, uh, you know, we've bounced around some time trying to get together, so I appreciate it. It's nice to finally get this done. And I know <laughs> I've been encouraged and, um, I love it. I appreciate you too. Yeah, man, just, you know, there's been, there's been some ebbs and flows with, with jobs and, and decisions. And um, it goes back to your all in. And if you're all in with the decisions that you make, uh, it's going to it's gonna work out for the best. So, That's right. uh, but I appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing with the podcast. Uh, doing landscaping and cutting grass. I've listened to like 17 of them. So this is, <laughs> this is awesome. It. This is awesome. Um, I love what you're doing. And uh, keep doing it and rock on. I appreciate it. Thank you again to Coach Weaver for taking time to join us and share his story and his passion. I know you got a glimpse of his his heart and just his passion for life, his passion for Jesus, his passion for relationships. I love the quote of going from a ring chaser to relationship builder. And we can tie that into even um, for those that are not in the coaching world, even the business world, that focusing on relationships versus that big deal and the big money. And so thank you again to John for that. Um, Just the encouragement that you gave to me, Um, that story from Saved by the Bell of Zach's dad being too busy for Zach, that really convicted me and really spoke to me. So thank you again, John, for your time and and for encouraging us all. Thank you for all listening. Um, I hope you've been encouraged just like me, and I, I hope you'll share this with somebody. Um, we'd love to hear from you. You can go to our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org, or you can go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just type into the search bar. Just type in All In Sports Outreach, and there you can find out more about who we are, why we do what we do, opportunities to to pray for us, to serve with us, and and, and also to, to give. But most of all, we do appreciate your, your continued prayers, your continued support, your continued encouragement. Until next time.